Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. Sinko. And they score! Power play goal! Braden Shen has tied the game for the Blues. And it's 2-2 with 6.26 to go, period number two. Back at even strength of Perunovic to Brown. And they score! Ivan Barbashev! On a feed from Brown to the slot. Ivan one times it in. And the Blues have taken a 3-2 lead. Wojciewicz carries it in. Takes it on the wraparound. Score! Pavlovich buries it. And you can bring out the Zamboni. The St. Louis Blues get the gutsiest win of the season. A 4-3 overtime win over the Panthers tonight. Gutsiest win, courageous win, the best win of the season, in my opinion. And I've uh, been watching St. Louis Blues a long time, covering their games. It's one of the best wins I can remember, certainly in recent memory, but maybe in the last five or ten years. And I, I don't think that's overstating it. That's how good that win was. That's Tanner. I'm Danny Mack. No BK for a while. As he's BK, chilling. Yeah, BK is, uh, well, he's not chilling yet. Oh, he's yeah, get, that's a couple days away. Yeah, he's getting ready for his uh, wedding, which will be on Saturday. So he's going to get married on Saturday, and then he's going to head to some beach, some exotic resort, all-inclusive. And I don't know if he'll return. We anticipate that he will. He needs a job to support said wife. But he may just stay down there, he, become a bartender. He might. Oh, yeah, he could do that because I know he did that in the past, some bartending. I. You know, the one thing I hope I don't see, I better not get the text messages that he did last time when he went to Florida, where it's like, oh, guys, it's beautiful 80 degrees outside. Yeah, it's cold here. Okay, we get it, BK. It's supposed to be fairly nice, I think, though, next week, so we could send him some you know, pictures and just say, hey, it's like 65 you here. Know, it's not cold got, yet. I don't got a beach. My beach would be like my bathtub. I don't got a beach. Yeah, I need Is that one. how you said? Yeah. Okay. I don't right. got a beach. Hey, I did not listen to when his fiance was in studio yesterday. Uh, anything come of it? They actually did pretty well. I okay. think, if I'm not mistaken, they was got... Was it relatively calm? Yeah, very calm. Uh, the one thing that BK maybe got in a little bit of the trouble was when he said what he uh, what <laughs> what nags him about her, something like Ooh, that. Yeah, you can't... You got to lie well, about you know, that. Well, he reacted kind of quickly to that one. He did. Okay, yeah. good. But I, I think they got, if I'm not mistaken, 8 of 10 right. And I think one of them, they were pretty close. So okay. it was pretty impressive. It was a newlywed game yeah. for those who didn't hear newlywed it. Newlywed game, and it was so impressive. BK got what he wore to their first date. Is that right? Yeah. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. I was impressed. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was going to go a lot worse than that. All right. So BK is going to be out for a while. I'm flying solo with Tanner. And uh, Tanner, I guess you're going to be with Alex for three hours after this, correct? Yep. Just me and him. We'll talk with the Voice of Blues, Chris Kerber at 130 as well. All right. Looking forward to that. So the Blues last night, they begin. And I, by the way, I should say this. We've got uh, Brian Walton. There is some news uh, concerning minor league baseball and the Cardinals. So we'll get into that. Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com will be my guest. Also, Kyle mcclellan and then we'll cross it over talk more blues with alex uh, later in this hour but the blues last night they began with 19 players 
So you say, what's the big deal? Well, that's one fewer than a regular NHL lineup night to night. Then they lose a goalie. Then they lose a defenseman. Billy Huso, by the way, stopped in the two games against the Florida Panthers, 82 of 88 shots. The Panthers, after a while, I was in the third row yesterday. I, I talked about this on the crossover. So I had great seats. I took my oldest son. We had just a, a blast. It was so much fun being with him and being at the game. Wasn't fun early on because I think the Panthers might be the best team I've seen so far in the league. They outshot the Blues 20-5 to early on. In the two games, by the way, I did a little numbers here. My addition is correct. The Blues were outshot 91-55 to against Florida. And they get three points out of it, so not bad at all. The Blues had to go with minor league goalie Charlie Lindgren at the end of the game. They wind up winning this game, and uh, Craig Berube has one of his best wins as the Blues head coach. Oh, I mean, we were shorthanded, that's for sure, but... You know, guys battled and proud of them. They they worked and came through. They did, and Brandon Saad was a big part of that last night as well. Yeah, it feels good. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, they, they, they played well at home. We let it slip away a little bit, and shootout can be anyone's game. So uh, I think we did a good job tonight kind of bouncing back. Obviously, they got the late one, went to overtime, but um, obviously we got the job done tonight in overtime. So it definitely feels good. It's a good hockey team. It's a good challenge for us. So uh, that's a big win. So how are the Blues able to do this? Because here's the list of players. Robert Thomas reported by uh, uh, Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. It's a hip issue. Bozak is COVID. Falk COVID. Bennington COVID. Neal on the IR. Costin on the IR. David Perron, upper body. Huso now listed as upper body. Jake Wallman had to leave last night, upper body. So Saad was asked about all the injuries. Now they're getting through this. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty tough luck right now. But uh, at the end of the day, it is what it is. And, and there's no excuses. So we, we're playing some good hockey teams. We're competing. We're battling. We're staying alive. And obviously, we had a huge win tonight. So uh, I think the really the message is whoever's healthy, whoever's playing, uh, keep competing. And we're going to have success. Have to compete. And those that are the big names on your team have to show up. That happened last night. Into the slot, they go, they score! Vladimir Tarasenko! A wrist shot from the far circle, and the Blues get the equalizer. We're tied 1-1. So there's different ways that you have to win, and Craig Berube knows, though, again, big players, the big-name guys, guys making a lot of money, the guys you're counting on have to step up. We saw that with Vladdy. Very important. I think uh, Vladdy um, you know, was a real important goal for him. Um, I thought he, I thought he really played well in the second and third. And the other thing about this too, I thought the power play looked pretty good. They went one for five last night. Blues entered the uh, game last night, second best power play in the league. They're four for fifteen in the last five games. They have twenty-seven shots on the power play in the last five games. I thought that was a difference too. Yeah, I think the power play looked really impressive last night. Again, you mentioned just one for five, but the power play for me is kind of a reason I have some optimism with the Blues being shorthanded because it has been so good this year. You mentioned second in the NHL. I get it; you have to be good five on five, but there's more penalties called in the regular season, and with the way the Blues power play is playing of late, I feel really confident in them going on the ice and making a difference in a game when you're shorthanded. And with Vladimir Tarasenko looking better last night, when Vladdy's right and when he's healthy, oh, 
He's a guy that can carry engaged. a team. Yeah. When he's engaged. He's a guy that can carry a team that can go on a 10 goals and eight game kind of stretch. That's just the difference maker he is. So the fact that he got back on the board last night, we'll see if he carries it over moving forward. But I think that's a big thing for the Blues because you get Vladdy going, like you said, he's a difference maker. Slew has had now switching gears here in basketball, two bad losses back to back. UAB, they had a 10 point lead over the weekend on Saturday, blew that, lost the game. Last night, another double digit lead. They had a 32-26 lead at the half, and they lose to Belmont 64-59. They've got Boston College and then Auburn coming up. Auburn is top 25. Mizzou wins their game last night. Next for them, KU. KU. Not going to be as easy as Eastern Illinois. No, sir. And coming up later in the month, you get the Bragg and Rights game on the 22nd. So that gets you caught up with college basketball. Let's go to a little baseball, which I know a lot of people uh, tune into this show for that. Um, There is business right now happening in the game of baseball, and that would be the Rule 5 draft of the uh, the minor leagues. So you have the Rule 5 draft of the major league players that are unprotected, but there is Rule 5 guys as well in the minor leagues. And there's also potentially, and I'm going to ask Brian Walton about this, um, there's some news about some of the, the teams being sold. That concerns the Memphis Redbirds as well. And we were talking about Ivan Herrera yesterday and his future. So I want to get into that with Brian Walton. We say good morning to Brian Walton, who's always kind enough to join us here on 101 ESPN. And, and Brian, uh, good morning to you. Happy holidays. Let's start with the, the Rule 5 uh, minor league draft and how this works. It's coming up later today. So what, what's going on with that? The minor league phase, which are, of course, lower level guys, uh, there are gems that can be picked out of there. Most recently, John Brebbia, who was a very good reliever for the Cards a number of years, was picked up that way. And the way this works, Dan, is that 40-man roster players are are automatically exempt all from the Rule 5. 40-man guys are protected. Then the Cardinals or any organization can name up to 38 other players that they put on a special Memphis roster for this Rule 5 draft. And those players are on the Memphis roster – can be taken in the major league phase of Rule 5, but they can't be taken in the minor league phase. So beyond the 40-man roster, there's a number 30, up to 38 more guys the Cardinals could protect who would not be available to be picked up in this draft today. But that means that there'll be a number of other players in the organization, uh, all of whom have, have created, uh, who have had uh, up to four or uh, years of minor league service who potentially could be uh, taken by another organization. And in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft, which is going to occur today, any of these players that are taken are pretty much gone forever. They don't have to be returned no matter what. The claiming uh, organization can uh, put them anywhere they want this next year. And I, if, if I had to guess what I thought the Cardinals would be doing, uh, that none of, because of the, the uh, lockout, none of the rosters have been shared. We don't really know other than the list of uh, about four dozen Cardinals who are eligible. Um, the, the, uh, the Cardinals will probably come into this draft looking for some additional pitching depth because we saw them, you know, go out and, and uh, pick up a bunch of pitchers from the inter, from the um, independent leagues last summer because of some depth issues. You know, what's interesting is that uh, John Brebbia, you mentioned him, and he just signed another deal with uh, the Giants, nearly a million dollars to return to them. You, you don't hear about it very often, a minor league Rule 5 pickup having this kind of success to get to the major leagues. But I, I guess there are certain cases – uh, Brian, that that guys have kind of slipped through the cracks for certain organizations and, you know, redeveloped themselves or redefined themselves and, and found a home. But I guess those are kind of few and far between, aren't they? Yeah, they really are, Dan. And it's this is really realistically more about depth pieces, again, to help the minor leagues. Because, you know, as we've talked about before, 
the Cardinals have, you know, 200 plus players in the minor league system, it's pretty well understood that only a dozen or, you know, 20 at the most may ever see the major leagues, but you've got to have good players around them to play and to, you know, create the environment where all these players can grow. And once in a while, a guy who you're not expecting, you know, uh, emerges. And so, you know, rule five draft, sometimes guys can get buried in organizations and maybe not get a chance, you know, maybe take a Nick Plummer. Now, granted, he wasn't rule five, but you know, Nick Plummer, uh, you know, maybe he'll get a chance with the Mets and become something, but in the Cardinals organization, he was behind so many other outfielders. There wasn't a good opportunity. So this gives the players a chance to, to potentially get a second start and for organizations to look for guys who might've been overlooked in the, you know, in their, in the other organization that they first uh, signed with. There's a couple of guys I want to ask about that are of interest for a lot of Cardinal fans, and one would be Yvonne Herrera. And I got to wonder, when you had a lost minor league season for some of the players, not all of them, a couple of years ago, how it stunted development and in just you know having a limitations of what they were able to do. But you know that Yachty is coming up on his final season, we think, we assume, in the major leagues. He has said that he will retire and then you're looking at Kisner potentially, and then you're looking at Yvonne Herrera. How, how far is Herrera from the major leagues, and, and where do you think he starts out uh, this upcoming season? Well, the thing to, to keep in mind about Yvonne Herrera, and, and, one, and one of the things I, I want to come back and talk about when we're done talking about him as a player is his impact in this lockout, because he's a player that's in a group that's um, being disadvantaged. And so r- remind me to come back to that, please. But Yvonne Herrera, catcher, been in the Cardinal system for a number of years, but is still just 21 years old. Doesn't turn 22 until June. And Yvonne Herrera has been young for his leagues everywhere he's played. He played double A this last year, spent the whole season at double A, had a good but not great season, hit 17 home runs, drove in uh, 60 some, had an OPS just under 800. But continued to improve as the year went on offensively uh, in September, his OPS was over a thousand. So he finished the, the season very strongly, Yvonne Herrera, and he continues to grow as a catcher as well. He is clearly the guy who, um, I mean, he's a top 10 prospect in the Cardinal system, no doubt about it, has started to get some notice nationally. And, you know, he's a guy that would probably be considered at this point, the heir apparent ahead of Andrew Kisner, but Yvonne Herrera has only very, very, um, very brief AAA. He got to you know play AAA briefly at the end of the year, but he's going to spend most of 2022 at AAA, gaining his experience. Ali Sanchez is still there, a veteran who's also a very good defensive catcher that Herrera can continue to learn from. And you know we'll see what happens if there's a long-term injury in St. Louis. You know that could move up Herrera's time frame, but I suspect most of 22. 2022 will be uh, mastering the AAA level for Yvonne. And let's face it, if he made if he made the major leagues at the beginning of the 2023 season, I mean, he'd still just be 22 years old, which is, you know, means there's lots of years ahead. You wanted me to go back to the lockout with Herrera too. Yeah, yeah. So then the interesting thing about the lockout is it not only affects the major leaguers, but it affects those players on the 40-man roster. So all the players on the 40 minutes, so that's another, say, 14 players on average beyond the 26 that are kind of on the active roster, so to speak. And so those players, because on the 40-man roster, all four are members of the Major League Baseball Players Association, and therefore they're, they're locked out. So a player like Yvonne Herrera is a, a great example of that. Brendan Donovan, Angel Rondon, uh, guys who aren't in the majors yet but are on the 40-man roster, they're also locked out. So if this 
you know, work stoppage continues on into spring training, Yvonne Herrera won't be able to come into minor league camp and play. And that could be a big deal for the development of some of these young guys, especially, as you mentioned, Dan, the fact that they missed 2020 as well. Boy, that, I didn't realize that. That is really interesting. Um, how about winter ball update? And I, I know we were talking about Andrew Kisner, the aforementioned catcher. I know he's been playing winter ball, trying to get uh, some at-bats. How about some other names that uh, Cardinal fans would know that are playing winter ball and maybe having – uh, some success or at least what's happening with them and their various teams. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Andrew Kisner uh, is playing in uh, the Dominican Republic and he wanted to get some more at bats, some more experience. The Cardinals certainly encourage that. It's kind of interesting. Players go to winter ball and sometimes it's their agents that are out looking for deals. Sometimes the organization tries to, the Cardinals organization or their own organization tries to help them, you know, get placed. But a lot the, this winter on the hitting side, it's a lot of the catchers playing. So Kisner's playing, Ali Sanchez is playing, uh, Carlos Soto, who's a, a up-and-coming defensive catcher, is playing. So there's a number of guys there. The the uh, player who's our player of the week this year, we we reported the Cardinal Nation about all the the uh, pitchers and uh, players participating in winter ball is outfielder John Torres, and he's a guy that um, he's uh, an outfielder that came from Cleveland in the um, Oscar Mercado trade back in I think 2018, and he's got tremendous power potential hasn't advanced beyond Peoria yet. And Torres has been in the system long enough. He's one of these rule five eligible guys. I'm 99% positive Torres would have been put on the Memphis roster. So he won't be chances are very good. He won't be eligible for rule five today, but Torres is going to probably be at double a this year. And he's playing very, very well um, at home in winter ball. Found it interesting. Brian Walton, our guest is that uh, Jordan Walker made the cover of Baseball America. So anybody that's been following the Cardinals and certainly yourself that follows the minor leagues day in and day out, uh, we know all about Jordan Walker. He is considered one of the best prospects the Cardinals have had in many, many years. Um, and so now he's on the cover of Baseball America, and he's kind of bursting onto the scene. If you didn't know about him, you're, you're certainly finding out about just how good this young man might be. And chances are very good that uh, Cardinals fans in uh – in uh, Southwest Missouri are going to see Jordan Walker, you know, play for the Springfield Cardinals this year. I mean, he's just, you know, such a tremendous athlete showed both at both levels of class a that he could uh, perform above the level of his league. That's something that, you know, farm director Gary LaRock talks a lot about. They try to challenge players early in the year uh, at a level that maybe they haven't shown that they're ready, completely ready for yet. Jordan Walker mastered uh, low a very quickly moved up to high a, Peoria played exceptionally well, not only hit home runs, uh, drove in runs, stole bases, um, and showed a, a discipline at the plate for a power hitter that's very unusual in that he walked basically about the same amount as he struck out. So, you know, a tremendous year. And, you know, remember that Jordan Walker was just drafted in 2020. Uh, he, he fell to 21st overall. The Cardinals had to be delighted that 20 other teams uh, passed on Jordan Walker. And so 2021 – this year that I just talked about was his first season playing ball and professional ball. He was at the alternate camp, but that's, you know, let's say that was just glory, you know, glorified workouts in 2020. So, you know, this is his first season. That was his first season. 2021 was his first full season on the field and he's getting a lot of attention nationally. He started to appear on national top 100 lists. And I think he's going to, you know, rise very quickly up those lists. And, you know, Nola Gorman's probably going to disappear from, uh, national prospect list as soon as he you know gets up to the majors and and Jordan Walker I think 
is uh, very, very close, if not already at the, the number one prospect in the Cardinal system. So as we talk in mid-December, and we don't know about what may happen with the minor league Rule 5 draft, but uh, the Cardinals were a very, very young minor league system, meaning that uh, they took it on the chin in the wins-losses department, but they were the youngest team in most of these leagues. So I am curious, because it is about development. What do you think, as we talk in mid-December, is the strength of the Cardinals minor league system, and, and what do you think they need to improve upon? Well, I think that, we, you know, everybody who's followed the Cardinals closely knows the tradition of pitching and how the Cardinals have have consistently come up with major league quality uh, pitching, despite the fact that they typically draft in the, you know, 19, 20, 21 range in the draft each year. So, you know, you see, I mean, look at all the guys in the rotation past and, and current who are Cardinals draft picks, uh, Lance Lynn, Michael Waka. Uh, Flaherty, um, Hudson, you know, all these guys were developed by the Cardinals and were considered to be good, but not, you know, the top 10 prospects in the country and they were developed, but that pipeline has slowed down a little bit. And what we saw uh, be- the last few years, the Cardinals heavily, more heavily drafted hitting in the early rounds. So you saw guys like Gorman and Carlson and those kinds of guys taken at uh, Jordan Walker taken early in the draft. And so the pitching uh, didn't necessarily move as quickly. And so we've just started the, the, the top 50 prospects for 2022 countdown. We're at number uh, 39 was the last one we put up. So of the, of the uh, 12 prospects we've, documented so far nine of them are pitchers the cardinals uh leaned very very hard toward pitching in the 2021 draft and uh you know and i think if they're going to take any people in the uh, minor league rule five draft today i think it would be pitching that's the area where the organization really needs to catch up in my opinion there was some news concerning uh ownership with the memphis team what's happening there yeah the memphis redbirds uh folks may remember uh were locally owned and they um, took on a huge debt load when they built AutoZone Park. Now, this is like, what, 15 or 20 years ago. And that debt that was created from AutoZone Park became too onerous, and the team had to be sold. Uh, the, the St. Louis Cardinals came in, purchased the Memphis team, uh, purchased AutoZone Park. Oh, well, the, uh, AutoZone Park then went to local ownership, uh, to the city. Uh, and uh, then the Cardinals, after several years, sold the Memphis Redbirds to uh, uh, a gentleman named Peter Friend, who is a, a minority owner of the Yankees and owns several other minor league teams. The Cardinals maintain a minority ownership. Uh, Randy Boyd, who was head, the head of the group that ran Johnson City Cardinals, uh, the former Appalachian League uh, affiliate, and several other teams, is a minority owner. Well, they're apparently selling the team, according to uh, a report from Bloomberg. There's a new group called Endeavor, which is purchasing uh, nine minor league teams and is negotiating to purchase another, another uh, group of t- uh, teams. And this appears to be a new model where this company, Endeavor, believes that they can get some economies of scale by managing uh, a large number of minor league teams in their portfolio. So it'll be interesting to see if it if this new group changes the business model of how minor league teams operate in the Memphis Redbirds. But in terms of the affiliation with the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, that's a multiple-year agreement that, that will be in place for a long time. And, I, and both sides have been very, very happy with that working relationship. So what what you know from a baseball business side, things won't change. And I'm going to wrap it up with this. You've got 50 days, 50 nights, 50 Cardinal prospects. So uh, you are busy leading into the uh, first of the year, are you not? That's right. Well, and it'll probably go on, you know, into January. Uh, we'll be watching to see whether uh, our traditional winter warm-up event in uh, Martin Luther King weekend will be able to be held. But we're going to continue to have prospect news uh, every day. Uh, 365 days a year, we'll have new content, so we're rolling out uh, new prospects on days or on other news. And uh, so, so far, we've talked about some interesting prospects from. 
Class A, Yordi Richard, in Ohan Paniagua, uh, and, and others who, uh, Wilfredo Pereira, who are pitchers that maybe folks haven't heard about but are going to start to emerge uh, in, these, uh, in these upcoming uh, seasons. Hey, Brian, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the holiday season, and we'll catch you up next week. Thanks again. Take care, Dan. Always interesting with uh, Brian Walton and some of the information coming out on the uh, the minor league side of things is that has not been locked out, and obviously business continues with them. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Update there with uh, Tanner. The Blues did make an announcement that uh, they have recalled Nathan Walker from their AHL affiliate. He's appeared in 19 games for the Thunderbirds this year, second on the team, 17 points, six goals, 11 assists. And so he certainly could be in the lineup tomorrow. Maybe even Kyle McClellan might be with all the injuries the Blues have had. Is Kyle McClellan, the St. Louis native and uh, former St. Louis Cardinal world champion of 2011, has been kind enough to join us. Hey, Kyle, good morning. How you doing? Hey, I can skate. I just can't stop. Well, that's the kind of the problem that a lot of guys have. <laughs> can you stay on your skates? Can you literally stay on your skates? I mean, I can stay on them. I can't, you know, I mean, I sometimes I feel like I'm going pretty good and I, I get going a little too fast, but, you know, I mean... I just got to run into the boards. Well, at this you know, point, that, we need, that stops me. you know, at this point we need warm bodies. So, yeah, you I know, can stand out. if you put me out there, I could just stand in the middle. and <laughs> <up> the middle. <laughs> I think that's what we both do. We just get our bodies right in the middle and say, let's go for it. Um, where do we find you, by the way? Are you in St. Louis? Are you down in Mexico? Where, where were you or what are you doing? I'm in St. Louis. Uh, I was just down in Mexico with the Cardinals vacations group. Uh, we had a great time. Me and Benji Molina and Polo Asensio, we were down there and, Hosting about 30 uh, fans that, that uh, we got to go spend a week in Mexico and talk about Cardinal baseball and hang out uh, in, it was about 83, you know, it wasn't yeah. too bad, about yeah. 83 degrees and sunny and it was a good time. Cardinals Vacations always does a great job and always, uh, always fun to go and talk baseball with the fans. Yeah, it's really tough, isn't it? They pay for it. Uh, you know, it's probably an all-inclusive place and you just let it rip. So really tough, yep. uh, tough assignment for you, huh? It was, well, the buffet was tough, tough decisions. You know, you got to figure out what, what, uh, which side of the buffet you want to go to. But, uh, no, it was great resort, great trip all, you know, as you know, the Cardinals, everything they do is done well. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, diehard Cardinals fans. It's, it's, that's always the thing I enjoy about doing those is hearing the stories of, you know, how they became Cardinal fans and, and, um, you know, when that was back in the fifties, the sixties, and, you know, from listening to to it on the radio to, you know, going to games with their, with their, their parents and things like that. It's always cool to hear. You know, we want to get you on because it's interesting at time, obviously with major league baseball, but back, uh, when you were playing, you were part of the PAs, the player associations negotiating committee for the 2011 CBA. And so not mm-hmm. asking you what, about what's going to happen here and what they're fighting yep. over. I mean, we, we don't need to get into that, but I, I, I am curious from a player's perspective, um, what is that like? Like, what are you doing? Are you, you on the phone constantly texting other players? What was your role and, and how did that all come about for you? Yeah. You know, I became the player rep early on in my career. Adam Wainwright was the, the main player rep in my first year uh, he pretty much came to me and said, Hey, uh, I'm the player rep, but you're going to be my assistant and you're going to do everything. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as, as a young guy, you know, I, I took it very seriously. One, I enjoy it. I, I, I always enjoy business. Um, and so I enjoy that side of it, uh, learning uh, a lot of these things that, that affect our game, you know, for, for good or bad. And, um, <clears throat> and then to be a part of that and to have a voice in it, I, I always enjoyed 
I also felt a huge responsibility to guys in that locker room that if somebody asked me a question, I want to make sure I knew the answer to it. Or if I didn't, that, you know, I would be able to get that for them. And so I wanted to be engaged and involved enough that, that uh, my peers would, would know that I was doing the job that they've, they've assigned me to do. Uh, every team has one representative and assistant. And um, if they nominated me and put me involved as a young player, a lot of times they do it with the young players. So those young players get to understand and appreciate the things that, uh, that are in place that they're benefiting from. And, uh, and so I, you know, I, I enjoyed it, uh, from that side. And then, you know, at the negotiating committee, there was, I think 12 of us, uh, of the 30 player reps, 12 were nominated for negotiating committee. And, uh, and I was a part of that. And so we were just a, more involved, uh, you know, look, these negotiations start the year before. Um, so you, the player associations going around, uh, throughout the course of the year, updating teams, having meetings with the entire team. Uh, people can bring things to me and I would bring that to the committee and, and to our, our leadership and let them know what the players are thinking. And then about weekly, you know, we'd have updates from our leadership and just saying, Hey, this is what happened this week. This is where, where we're heading. Um, these are the issues. Uh, these are the problems. Um, what do you guys think? And we'd kick it around. I'd go to some of our head guys and, and then come back and kind of give my feedback. But uh, always wanted to make sure that if I was put in that role, you know, I, I did it well and uh and represented our our team you know and our 25 30 guys whatever it was 40 guys i guess on the 40 man um you know represented them very well in terms of you mentioned that you wanted to be prepared if guys asked you questions so did guys actually do that and if so what were some of the questions yeah you know it's 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 challenging because throughout the course of the year you get guys that come up with all kinds of things um you know and they they say well what about this and so you got to kind of explain well you know this is kind of where we are here's our our main things. And these are the, the really the key factors that we're going into. And I think that's really part of the issue this year. Um, is there's so many key factors, you know, in the past, like we didn't really have like one big thing that either side was willing to dig their heels in and, and cause an issue. I, I think this year you have about three or four, um, which is unusual. And I think that's why um, you're having the issues that you're having at this point. Um, but, you know, they, it, it could be anything from, um, <clears throat> hey, what are we doing with free agency? Are we doing anything with uh, the, what's the deal with the league minimum? Is arbitration still the same? And I'll tell you one thing that anytime I came across a former player and they knew I was a player, rev, they would put their finger in my chest and say, don't touch our pension. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, so, so you're not only representing your current guys, but you're representing the former guys too and making sure that the things that they've done stay in place uh, or are enhanced um, because of the things that they provided and sacrificed for the game and for the players. Um, and so there, there's a there's a big responsibility all across the board, and um, you know you just hear what players are concerned about, and and kind of take their temperature on things, and then you know you bring it up and, and figure out if there's other clubs that are having kind of the same conversations and players, and and uh, and then you you know kind of put it on the table, and you got to prioritize, I guess, is the the best way of saying it. Were you on the phone all the time with text messages? Did it become kind of a pain, or was it something that you said, yeah, I, I like doing this. This is uh, this is important for me, and I I want to do it. Yeah, no, it was about once a week. We'd have a one to two hour conference call, um, you know, when we were thick in it, you know, maybe every three, three days or so when we really got down to it. Um, but no, it wasn't, uh, wasn't too much. And the players pretty much, you know, were, were okay with it and trusted. They also had the opportunity once a week to get on and hear about it. So it kind of took the pressure off of me having to communicate that. I would just say, Hey, there's a call today at, you know, 12 o'clock. If you want to jump on, here's the information. And uh, they'll update you on anything. Got any questions? Let me know. But you know, guys, pretty much trust. You know, Michael Weiner was our head uh, of our MLBPA at the time, who was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and well, awesome I've, I've brain, heard that. By the way, cancer. hey Kyle, I've heard that from so many people about him, and, and God rest his soul because he passed away. Yeah. 
What was it about him that made him so good? I mean, everybody on both sides just loved this guy. Yeah, uh, Bob Manfred, Rob, Rob Manfred was the uh, the lead negotiator for MLB. So when we sat down at the table at the MLB office, Rob Manfred was across the table from us, who obviously is now the commissioner. And Michael Weiner sat in that seat on our side. And Michael Weiner was with the Player Association for probably 20, 30 years before. He's been through work stoppages. He's been through the grind and, and the tough times uh, from the player side and, and was elevated to leadership when Donald Fear left and um, – was just he was one of, he was probably the smartest person I've ever met, um, but he had a really amazing ability to also communicate and relate to people. You know, there's some people that are just so smart they're so they're so um, like over your head it's hard to even relate to them. Michael was that smart, but he would he was he was a, a people person. I mean, he could just have a conversation. He'd come up to you in the locker room um, and made you feel like you were important and uh, just amazing, amazing communication skills. And just, I can't tell you how smart he was. And, and like you said, both sides will say that is, he is extremely impressive. And uh, man, we, we found out he had brain cancer and, and it wasn't long um, after that, that, uh, that we unfortunately lost him. And, uh, but he, he did so many great things for, for the union and, and had us in a really strong position uh, when, when unfortunately he passed. Uh, I'll wrap it up with this. Kyle McClellan, my guest and world champion from the 2011 team. You're always giving back to our community. You've made this home uh, even after your playing days. So what do you have on tap and, and raising money and doing the things that you're doing? Yeah, we're, and I actually have one story if we have time to share. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, we, uh, so from the charity standpoint, we're actually um, – Haiti's having a hard time. You know, we do work in Haiti and North City, St. Louis, um, and Haiti's really having a hard time with a lot of different things. And, and so we reached out to our team and said, what do you need right now? Um, the most. They've had a gas shortage there, which shut down a lot of the country, which runs on, on diesel, gas, and generators. And uh, they said, we're really having a hard time with clothes for our kids in our orphanage that we have. We have 41, 41 kids that we take care of. And um, and they said, it's hard to get to, the, there's not a lot of shops open, um, little markets open, and it's hard to get there, and especially buying for 41 kids. And typically, we like to buy things in country, so we support the local economy. We don't um, kind of send things down very often. Uh, but they gave us a list of things that they're really in need of. And uh, we've put that together and have it out on our social media. We have an Amazon wish list. If people are looking for Christmas items to buy for people in need, um, if you buy off that list, it comes right to our house. And, uh, and then we are going to get that together and ship it down to Haiti um, through an organization that we partner with. And our team will be able to get it. So a variety of things of clothes, underwear, um, um, a speaker for their church that they, they lost their speaker just went out, um, you know, things like that, shoes, clothes for, for church and for, for uh, just hanging around the, the orphanage there. So we have that on our social media, uh, on Brace for Impact 46 on Instagram and, and, uh, and also my personal Instagram as well as, has been promoting that. So that would be a huge help for us. And um, the stuff in North City, we're, we're jamming. We're, we're continuing to, to, to support our partner and rehabbing these houses and getting families in and, and work with them and just doing a, a tremendous job down there. But uh, the one story I want to share with you, I think you would enjoy this, <clears throat> knowing Lance Berkman as the player rep <clears throat> when we were in New York in 2011, they said, uh, can you, can you come to the offices? And uh, you know, so we, we would actually go there for the three days and sit there with MLB and negotiate. And, and I was pitching, I was starting that day. And so I went to some of our guys and I said, can you guys go on my behalf? So like carp and, and Berkman and Kyle Loesch and Wainwright and, you know, all the big guys were there. <clears throat> and, uh, and I show up to my locker, uh, and I, and one of our player representative ladies was there and I said, how'd it go? And she was like, Oh my gosh. And I was like, what? And she's like, Lance Berkman. 
And I immediately was like, oh, no. <laughs> I go, what did he say? And she goes, he honestly stood up and recommended that we push the mound back, that if you throw over 95, you can't throw a curveball and a slider, <laughs> that, we, that we shorten the season to 50 games. And, um, that, uh, I can't remember what the, other, it was like something, it was something else crazy, you know, like, and so I, I was like, Lance, seriously. And like all the guys start showing up and they're like, Oh man. And I'm like, Lance, seriously. And he's like, Mac, you can't throw a hundred and throw a slider and a curveball. It's not fair. You should have to pick one or the other. That's <laughs> he was like, dead serious about it. And I said, you presented this to, to Rob Manfred. So it's like, he's like, yeah. Oh yeah. He needed to hear it. So he, uh, he spent part of their time negotiating for some of the craziest things I've ever heard of. Um, and, and he, he obviously isn't that good at it cause it didn't get put in the season. No, so but that sums him up. They want. <laughs> that sums him up to a T because, uh, when we had our reunion on zoom for 2011, I said, how you doing Lance? What's, what have you been up to? I oh, said, yeah. been living under been a bridge. Under bridge. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot. That's how we started it. And then he just started going off on everybody and took over. So it was perfect. <laughs> No, he's a, he's a beauty, uh, yeah. man. He's hilarious. He is. He um, is. Well, you're doing great stuff, Kyle. Thanks for everything, and thanks for hopping on and giving us a little insight from that perspective of, of being a player rep. Is, uh, obviously, it's interesting times here in Major League Baseball, but uh, more importantly, the great stuff that you're doing for our community. Yeah, I appreciate it, Dana Mac. Have a you, good one. You got it, buddy. That's Kyle McClellan, a world champion from the 2011 St. Louis Cardinals. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. I kind of like that music a little bit better, Tanner. We come back from that one, the second one, and it's ominous. And a lot of times we have a guest. What are we talking about? It's a doom, 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 doom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a little ominous. Halloween time, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that one either. I'm not yeah. going to lie. There's so many over here that sometimes I don't remember what I click on. All right. Should have heard the music Betty played yesterday, Tan. It was uh, like elevator music. Tan nice. or Dan? I combined it, both of you. Tan. That's <laughs> what this is now. There's no BK anymore. No. It's the Danny Mac show. It's the Tanny Mac show. There you go. Uh, at least for joke. a while because, you know, our man's getting married. That's BK. So you're going to be flying here with Tanner for three hours. I'm sure a lot of it's going to be on the Blues. And the Blues outshot initially 20-5, to five, and they win that game. I, I was saying uh, last night, um, doing some numbers, two games against Florida. That's a really – that is a really good team. 91-55, mm-hmm. um, to 55, the Blues route shot, and they come away with three points. Yeah. That's stealing three points. Yeah. And really, you could have had four. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the first game, you had a better chance to win that game, in my opinion, than you did last night. Yeah, you came back in that first one against Florida – three separate times. Florida took the lead three separate times, and you found a way to fight your way back into this one. That, on top of the fact that you played previously to the Florida Panthers, the reigning Stanley Cup champion, the two-time reigning Stanley Cup champion, and you took, what, two points away from them? You took five of eight points against two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion. But what was more impressive was what took place last night because, look, the three games against Florida and Tampa, it was 11 forwards and seven defensemen. So you were playing with your full roster. Last night, you started down a man. You were 10 forwards and seven D-men, and you finished that night down two skaters, 
on top of having to throw in an AHL goaltender that had not seen the ice since November of 2019, I think. Yeah. And he made three saves. And one of those was pretty darn big towards You're the end of the Lindgren. third period. Yeah. Great I job by Lindgren. I think it was 2020, March of 2020. Yeah, that maybe might be when it was. Played. It was against Montreal, or it was against Florida when he was with Montreal. He's only played, though, in a handful of uh, NHL games. Been around a while. He's had a good year, by the way, in the minor leagues. Good yeah, numbers. He had a five-game win streak. I think he was 8-1-1 one, and one when yeah. they recalled him. So, I mean, the part about Charlie Lindgren is the Blues always seem to find and signed that goaltender, with the exception of Chad Johnson, and no disrespect to Chad, but that 18-19 season, it just did not work out for him. But think about it. They always find yeah. a way to sign a goaltender, Carter Hutton, Brian Elliott, bring guys in that play a backup role that come up big for him a couple of times. And Huso's done that so far. Bennington how, did that. How uh, how serious is the situation with Huso? Do we know? I don't know yet, but uh, T-Bone and I were talking in the office. I, I don't want to speculate with this, but it didn't but look are. good. It just didn't look good. <laughs> I know. It just didn't look good. Frankly, I was a little surprised they didn't call a goalie interference with that one. Yeah, and I, Huso I did too. was ticked off. But the fact that Barubi tried to get him out of the game and couldn't get him out in time, and then as soon as that goal went in, he went immediately off the ice. That just doesn't tell you it's going to be anything good. But we've seen crazier things to where he might be on the ice at 1130 today practicing with the team. So you've got uh, three hours with Tanner coming up. What do you have? We've got lots of Blues talk, Dan. We're going to talk Craig Berube and how he's the right match for this Blues team. I thought it was evident last night. Uh, we're going to chat with Chris Kerber at 1.30. And uh, we're going to try and figure out what the hell to do with all of these injuries because more and more just keep piling up for this team. And unfortunately, there's no reinforcements coming soon. Began with 19 players last night, one fewer than the regular NHL lineup, and you finished with 16 skaters and one goalie. Yep. Wow. That's life. All right, looking forward to it. Tanner, great job. We'll talk to everybody tomorrow on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.